Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Woo! That was some kind of night. Oh my God. What a big Wednesday to start things off, man. That was crazy. You know what the coolest part about uh, our first big Wednesday was? Is that not only did we have some late-round sleepers that went bananas, but we actually legitimately had, and I was just talking about this either on a show or with a person, I can't remember where the hell it came up, we legitimately had a dude that was not getting drafted go bonkers last night and do it in a way that looked at least somewhat sustainable. I'm really excited about this. Uh, First things first, to anybody that's watching live, please throw something in the chat room. It's already buzzing. I know everybody wants to hear thoughts thoughts on Big Wednesday. That is open here on YouTube for those that are watching after the fact. Welcome, those that are listening on iTunes, Spotify, whatever other RSS feeds you can pool together out there. Thank you, as always. I am Dan Vespers. At Dan Vespers, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S on social media. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I also had an opportunity yesterday to do a tutorial video for our five new tools in the premium Fantasy Pass, which starts at just six bucks a month. I would certainly strongly suggest anybody that wants to win this season, go get that because you can drop yourself right into our Discord. Let a mod know that you're there. That's actually really important. Let a mod know that you have a premium service when you get into the Discord, and they can turn on the specialty chat rooms, the ones where you get access to the analysts, basically. I'm going to throw the Discord link in the YouTube chat window. I keep forgetting to put it in the damn show description. Maybe I'll remember today. Maybe I won't. We'll find out in a little bit, won't we? Uh, But if you're watching on YouTube now or even after the fact and your chat room is enabled on your player... You can just click that link and roll right on into our free Discord side, which went completely insane last night. And uh, welcome to the, like, 90 new people that showed up. Anywho, we've got stuff to cover, so let's go ahead and throw some of yesterday's box scores on the screen and just start breaking stuff down. We'll start at the top, and it's going to be a minute because there were a lot of them. Atlanta at Charlotte, one of the biggest stories of the night we get to talk about right out of the shoot, and that's Jalen Johnson playing 29 and a half minutes off of the bench, putting up 21.7 boards, two assists, two steals, a block, and a three-pointer. Jalen Johnson, one of the big-time Brewski 150 sleepers. Anybody that got the list knew that he was a big-time guy. And I'll tell you guys, uh, we, we tried our best on that one to kind of I don't want to keep a lid on it, but, like, you don't want to push his ADP up the board too far. Um, and we, I think we did a pretty good job of that. Basically to say anybody that had the B-150 was typically able to get Jalen Johnson because uh, he was going late. He went late until the very end of time. And, wow, what a start. And the amazing part is that, you know, it wasn't like he stole minutes from anybody. They literally found 29 minutes for him off of the bench without diminishing almost anyone. Uh, 
You know, DeAndre Hunter, DeAndre Hunter, who are not interested in fantasy-wise, still played his 31 minutes to start. DeJounte Murray, 33. Trey Young, 36. Capella, 29. Onyeko Okongwu, 19. By the way, don't worry about that. Okongwu had foul issues. And we, we talked about this before. Okongwu is a top 100 to 125 range guy when Capella is healthy. And he's a top 40 guy when Capella's out. So you just kind of have to balance that over the course of the full season. The only spot you could argue that maybe a few minutes got taken away from a starter is Sadiq Bey, who still had 29 and actually had a pretty damn good game himself, who, by the way, I think Bey belongs on fantasy rosters too. He's just less exciting because five steals is probably not a sustainable number. You figure there'll be fewer steals, more threes for him. Um, there were a lot of free throws in this game also, so if you're looking at like field goal attempt number, Atlanta's is going to look a little bit lower, but a lot of that's because they took 33 foul shots in a losing effort, mind you. But who cares? Because Jalen Johnson was incredible. Um, Okongwu will be fine. Don't worry. Don't panic. Everything will be totally fine. Over on the Charlotte side, um, the big story, I think, is how good Mark Williams looked. 13 points, 15 rebounds, three steals and a block on five out of six shooting. He was terrific in 30 minutes. Uh, so Nick Richards got the other 18, meaning we don't have to worry about it. Brandon Miller played 25 minutes off the bench. He was fine. Nothing spectacular there. Not something you really need to worry about yet. P.J. Washington scored 25 points, but he had a really good shooting game. Uh, I think he's probably someone that hangs out maybe just outside the top 100, which is fine in a lot of formats, but, you know, not something you're super targeting. The, uh, the stuff that I was paying attention to on the Charlotte game was Mark Williams, for one, and that was a big positive. Terry Rozier was, what's, he, what's his role? And it looks pretty similar to last year. He had a crapper of a night shooting foul shots, but if not for that, it was actually a pretty good game for Terry. And then Gordon Hayward, who uh, last year, I got off the Gordon Hayward thing really early. And I want to, like, this is part mea culpa and part I got it right. Because with Hayward... Right at the beginning of the year, I said, hey, this is a guy worth exploring. He was going late in drafts. Historically, he's been top 75 or better. But I watched him for a few games, and you could immediately tell that he just didn't have any bounce anymore. Now, he did have 10 points, 8 boards, 7 assists. He only took 8 shots yesterday. If he's full facilitator mode on this team, it could work. I think you only have to go as far as a uh, watch list for him, at least for the time being. We got a lot of games to cover, so let's keep moving here. Washington at Indiana was the next one on the board. On the Wizards' side, Kyle Kuzma uh, was efficient, which I don't think is going to be the case every night. I, you know, he's, to me, more of a points league type of play. I know, like, it's easy to get caught up in a one-game sample size of, hey, he shot the ball well and he made all of his free throws. And you could look at the other side, too, and say he didn't have any rebounds or assists. He did have two blocks. This will level off. We know what Kuz is. He's going to be a high field goal attempt guy. You're going to need to get your value on volume from him. You're not going to be able to count on this level of efficiency, and you just hope that everything balances out. He's not somebody I drafted in anywhere, in any league that wasn't a sort of volume-based league, meaning points leagues or additional category type of stuff. Uh, Tyus Jones, pretty good first game. They got blown out, or he would have seen another probably five, six minutes in the fourth quarter, so good but could have been better. Jordan Poole was someone I did not draft anywhere outside of volume leagues as well. He was someone I kind of focused on as a points league side because of the fear that uh, the bottom could fall out on Poole. And 
like we got it right out of the shoot here on him. Uh, it's not going to be this way every ball game, but I watched a lot of this one live. This was a game I wanted to see what Indiana and Washington were doing with their rotations and how the offense looked. And for the Wizards, there wasn't a whole lot of ball movement. I know they had 28 assists, and it was like, but they played one of the highest octane teams in the league, the ones that just want to get out and run all the time. Wizards got to figure out a better way to get everybody involved, not do a lot of Poole and Kuzma trading off ISO plays, uh, and we'll see if they can pull it together. Uh, I liked Gallo in 17 minutes off the bench. You're not going to pick him up because 17 minutes ain't enough, but if he ever gets his legs underneath him, he could be someone you pay attention to. The big stories, I think, are number one, Daniel Gafford, only 21 minutes. He had five fouls. That was the issue there, so don't panic on Gafford. Uh, Denny Avdia is not someone I've been targeting. I'm afraid of his efficiency and turnovers. He can get rebounds and assists and steals, which is sort of interesting, but I'm not big on the Avdia train. Uh, the train I'm on for Washington is Dillon Wright, who played 25 minutes right out of the shoot here. I loved it. Eight points, six boards, six assists, three steals, and a three-pointer. Uh, I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it. Um, if he's getting 25 minutes, we saw what he was able to do last year, basically in that same general number. I want to make sure I pull up the, the stats and get it right. He played 24 and a half minutes a game last season, averaged seven points, three and a half boards, four assists, and almost two steals a game, and that was good enough for top 65 value. So I'm all aboard the Dillon Wright freight train. He's another one of my ads from yesterday on top of Jalen Johnson. No obvious things to do on the Pacers' side. Uh, I would say if you drafted Obi Toppin late and you were hoping for a massive breakout, you had to always know that Rick Carlisle was going to be going hot hand with almost everybody on that team that's not Halliburton, Miles Turner, and probably Bruce Brown this year uh, because they gave him a bunch of money to come in and, and be that glue guy. Uh, and that's what you saw yesterday. Buddy Heald got 25 minutes off the bench. He was decent. Uh, Benedict Matherin seems like he might be moving his way into more consistent minutes. And you got some steals. I'm not sold on Matherin's 9-cat value yet. He might get there, but I'm not sold on it. Andrew Nemhard got 22 minutes off the bench. A lot of that was because it was a blowout late. Uh, or Halliburton would have picked up another probably 7-8 minutes in the fourth quarter. Nemhart's double-double, not at all sustainable uh, and also, we've seen enough to know that he really doesn't do anything besides assist, which is a weird fantasy profile, but it is his. And then Toppin, 19 minutes. Neesmith, 23 minutes. Jalen Smith, 14 foul-plagued, but very uh, active minutes. Isaiah Jackson, 11. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of stuff on the Pacers because they put up 143 points. Um but the one that I think everybody was looking at was Toppin, and uh, day one was, I would say, a negative. This is something to make us think that his minutes are not going to be even remotely close to guaranteed. But I'd like to give it another one or two games to kind of see how it goes, or at least a competitive game. Boston beat New York. This one, Celtics got off to a big lead. Knicks came back, but uh, were unable to get up and over the hurdle. Giant first game for Kristaps Porzingis. Everybody called it a revenge game, but come on. He's been gone from New York for years. This was just a very good basketball player playing with the best teammates he's ever been with. Uh, you guys know me. I tried to get Kristaps in a lot of Roto leagues. I am afraid of him a bit in head-to-head. -head. He probably beats his ADP on both totals and per game, but you don't really want to be thinking about the injury stuff hanging over him all the time. 
So, but games cap style, he's he's going to dominate this year. He's going to have a fantastic season. He's not always going to be quite this efficient, uh, with the ten free throws being a pretty big number for him. But uh, I would expect, you know, slight drop off from last year. He was basically a turn guy on a per game side. Maybe falls back into the mid late second round per game, but that still beats his ADP by a bunch. Uh, great first game for Jason Tatum. Strong first game for Derek White in 32 minutes. Uh, Drew Holiday is someone that I did not draft. I was just kind of worried that he wasn't going to get enough shots. And, you know, luckily for Drew, he does a bunch of other stuff, but I don't have him anywhere. Jalen Brown is another guy that I called kind of a safe play, but I also don't have him. But for, I think, one league, I just, I hate, I don't like drafting wings that stuck, that aren't good at free throw shooting kind of early. Jalen will be fine. He'll bounce back. He'll have his better ball game. Tatum will have a game that's a little weaker, and same with Porzingis. But look, you've got your five starters with the Celtics, and those are the guys you're playing because they only went nine players deep last night. And frankly, they really only used one player in any substantial amount off the bench, and that was Al Horford, who played 26 minutes. You can watch List Horford if you want. I don't think 26 minutes is enough for him, so this may officially be finally the year he is, quote, too old for the old man squad. And you'll all be happy to know that I was aware of it, and I did not draft him anywhere. Nick's side was interesting. Nick's side was a weird one. So Mitchell Robinson, you know, he had his issues. Um, they were actually a plus one when Mitch Rob was on the floor and a minus five when Isaiah Hartenstein was out there. Those two guys split the center minutes basically down the middle. I think most games you're going to see Robinson get more like 28-20 kind of split, and that should be enough for, for Mitchell to be inside the top 100 pretty easily. This game was a bad one. Duh. Um, my bigger issue... Yes, by the way, the, the short version there is hold on to Mitchell, don't do anything nuts. But the slightly longer version is keep an eye on Hartenstein because if he starts to take over at that center spot in any meaningful way, he has a really good fantasy game. We didn't get to see it last night, but we know it's there. Jalen Brunson couldn't shoot. Julius Randle couldn't shoot. I mean, the Knicks as a team really couldn't shoot from anywhere. Free throws were terrible. Field goal was terrible. They were kind of... It's actually borderline insane that they were in this ball game with as bad as they shot. Uh, but the big story's there. Emmanuel quickly, really nice game. 28 bench minutes. I like it. He's an add to me in basically all formats to see how this plays out. Uh, Quentin Grimes, probably droppable. Josh Hart, unfortunately, probably droppable if his bench minutes aren't in the high 20s to 30 range like they were at the end of last season. If you have Grimes and Hart, I'd say give it one more game. Don't make a move off one day, but don't hold on too long because there are all these insane guys popping up that you don't want to miss out on. I don't have too many thoughts on Orlando-Houston. This game was ugly. Uh, really, only one Rocket played normal minutes, and that was Freddie Van Vliet, who was fine. Not good. Fine. He'll be better than this most days. Uh, Dylan Brooks, I think, will probably get more than seven shots most games, but I don't like him in nine-cat anyway. Alperen Sengun started fast, slowed down in this one. He ended up with 14, 8, and 6, which I think he'll take in a game where his team got spanked. But the stuff that creeps up with him crept up again. The free throws, 2 for 4 at the foul line. Is it going to be enough? Are there going to be enough shots? What do the defensive stats settle on? I think Sengun actually kind of repeats what he did last year, but we'll see. There's a possibility that he gets a little more. Um, Jock Lando only played nine minutes, which is good news for Shangoon. Uh, although I think some 10 center minutes may have gotten chewed up by a weird combination of Jabari Smith Jr. and Jeff Green. Um, 
Just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind. But I don't want to make too many sweeping decisions based on this ball game. Same story for Orlando. Cole Anthony's going to get picked up at a bunch of spots, and he'll get dropped when Jalen Suggs has a better ball game, and he takes all of those minutes back. We saw it all of last year. You guys may or may not remember this. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs could not coexist from a fantasy standpoint. When one had a good game, the other had a bad one. It happened the whole second half of last year when those guys were both healthy, and it happened again. Jonathan Isaac, 14 minutes. Keep one eye on him in case he gets into the 20s. If he hits 20, he's an ad. Otherwise, blowout game, throw it out the window and move along to this low-scoring stink fest. Toronto beat Minnesota 97-94, and nobody could shoot uh, other than apparently OG Ananobi. I think he was the only regular in this game that actually shot better than 50% from the field. I mean, I guess you could say Jakob Pertl, but he only took three shots. Fantasy storylines uh, hold Kyle Anderson. He played 30 minutes off the bench. That's more than enough for him to have good fantasy value. Uh, hold on Mike Conley. He was fine, you know, again, steering the ship. The assists will be a lot better, I would think, for both of these teams if they have a better shooting night. Anthony Edwards uh, made up for his bad shooting with a nice rebounding number. And Rudy Gobert, interestingly, had the best fantasy game of anybody uh, on the Timberwolves. Maybe he ends up being a little bit of a value at a, you know, ADP near 70. Or maybe this was just a really good ball game against a team that uh, took it to the rim, and he defended it. The one thing I also like was Cat getting four blocks, nine blocks total for the Wolves, 11 blocks over on that Toronto side. Huge first games for Ananobi and Scotty Barnes. You got to feel pretty good about those guys after one game. We'll see how that goes over the next couple of weeks. Dennis Schroeder is the one. He and Jakob Pertl, actually, the two guys. No, three, excuse me. Gary Trent. Uh, Schroeder, 22-7. and seven. No defensive stats, four three-pointers. The no defensive stats is relatively common. For someone as fast as Schroeder has been, he's never really been a good steals guy, and the threes were very high for him. He is more of a one to one-and-a-half three-pointer a game type of dude. I don't expect that to change a bunch. Makes a lot of sense in points leagues because of the holes in his fantasy game. I highly doubt he's able to keep anything like this up on the nine-cat side, but, you know, if he does, then I'll, you know, I'll wear that one. I just... He feels like a 100 to 130 range guy in nine category leagues and much better than that on the points league side. For Pirtle, only 24 minutes. That's enough for him to have top 100 value, but obviously we want more than that, so let's just keep one eye on that one. Um, Presage Chua took up the other center minutes, and that was kind of annoying. Gary Trent, 27 bench minutes. Uh, I don't think that's enough for him, frankly, especially not when he's the like the focal point. So... Um, I'd give Gary Trent one to two more ball games. Kind of the same story we had with, uh, who the hell were we just talking about up above? Over on the Knicks, like a Josh Hart. Same thing. Give it give it a couple more games. Maybe call it one week altogether on Trent, and uh, we'll see where he settles after that. Detroit-Miami. It was Cade Cunningham versus the universe, and uh, this was certainly one of the big arguments for drafting Cade is, does he have any help offensively? And the answer with Boyan Bogdanovich on the shelf is no, not really. Cade, 30 points, 9 assists, managed to do it efficiently, which is going to be the big thing if he's really, you know, Cade against the universe. Jalen Duran was awesome. What a wonderful first game for Duran. I don't know that the blocks hold up. Four is a lot, but the rebounds, I think, do. Not that he's going to average 14, but he's one of the best rebounders 
just on a, like, all you have to do is see it. We've talked about this a thousand times. I love watching Jalen Duran rebound because people just explode off of him. The bigger stories in this game, I thought, Isaiah Stewart had a 14-14 and double-double, uh, which is special. No defensive stats. Did hit two three-pointers. We know he can step out and hit the three ball. The team was actually generally better in this game when he was on the floor. Um, he's not a priority ad for me. Not the way that some of the other guys are, like a Jalen Johnson we talked about. In my eyes, DeLon Wright, I like more even. And then we'll talk about Max Struess. But Stewart's like right behind them as maybe your like top honorable mention ad from last night because the rebounds were nice, the threes were nice. If you could mix in a defensive stat, then you're really cooking. And, you know, the like the good news here is that nobody came for his minutes. James Wiseman didn't even play. Marvin Bagley got 16 total minutes off the bench. So that's good for Stewart. Uh, Aster Thompson, 27 minutes. That's something. Five blocks is amazing. But bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent, turnovers too high for a guy who's not really involved that much on offense. Uh, I love the future for Azar Thompson. I just think it's going to take at least half a season to get there. So uh, someone maybe you could think about trying to buy low on perhaps in December. I don't know. We're taking a stab at the date on that. We'll see how it actually shakes out over time. Killian Hayes, I don't think needs to be rostered. Jaden Ivey, I don't think needs to be rostered. I didn't draft those guys anywhere, and I don't even know that I mentioned them during draft season, which, for better or worse, I guess, if I had mentioned them, I would have said, I don't like it. Miami was relatively predictable in this one, with the one very large exception. That's Kevin Love logging 28 minutes as the starting power forward, when I think we all thought Caleb Martin would get a lot of that. Uh, some of this may be because... Detroit runs a two-big lineup with Stewart and Duran. I don't think you get 28 minutes of Kevin Love every ballgame. I think you'll see more of Caleb Martin against smaller, faster, rangier teams. But they needed his size in there, and Love provided that with 10 rebounds and three three-pointers. He's a deep league guy, and you can watch list him if you want, but I just I don't think this is a consistent thing. The most hilarious thing that happened last night was Kyle Lowry's fantasy line. He played 32 minutes had two rebounds, two assists, two steals, and one block on zero for one shooting. A usage rate, ladies and gentlemen, of 1.4. 1.4! I award you, Kyle Lowry, the very first Tony Snell award of the year. He very nearly went zeros across the board. One shot. This used to be known as the Shane Battier Award, but Battier actually made his team a whole heck of a lot better. I don't know that Kyle Lowry provided that. I would be floored, floored, knocked on the ground floored if the Miami Heat don't trade for a point guard at some point this year because Kyle Lowry ain't it. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly. 
the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Before we get to Cleveland, Brooklyn, I want to remind everybody, and we have a big live viewing audience today, to please come and find me on Twitter, at Dan Bespris. That's where I'm going to be doing uh, copious amounts of work. I can't get to the questions the way I used to. Um, and this is not meant to be like a humble brag, but there are now too many of them on Twitter. I can't follow it. The thread is too deep. So if you have questions, you're going to want to put them in the live chat on YouTube. You can also head into our Discord that I talked about earlier in the show and hit up some of our other pros or just chat with other like-minded fantasy nuts in Discord. That's the place to get your questions answered these days. Uh, but I put out my things that I'm watching for synopses of the podcasts, any news that breaks, that's all going on social at Dan Bespris. Follow Ethos Fantasy BK also on Twitter. I'll throw that uh, that link in the chat room so it's easier for you guys to find. Here, let's get that going right now. I always feel like I need to talk faster when I'm doing these shows on YouTube. Um, that's the, the Twitter handle for Sports Ethos's NBA news feed. You're going to want to follow that bad boy. It's going to be very helpful for you. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something. Oh, right. Yes, of course. This is the mid-show mid time for me to remind you guys that our pals over... Whoops. Sorry, VKJ. I didn't mean to put your thing on the screen. To follow our pals over at manscaped.com. Look at that. That thing is so slick. I love it. And then this is a magnetic top. It snaps on like that, so it won't just pop off in your bag. You have to give it a pretty good tug. Ethos 20 is the promo code on that. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. This is the Handyman. It's an actual face uh, electric razor. Ethos 20, 20% off and free shipping. I also want to show you guys the luxury nail kit, but I also want you to know that I had to take a Donkey Kong Mario Kart cart off of it because my kid broke the head off of this one, so they put it in what they call Daddy's Shop. So I can super glue it back together. This is the luxury nail kit, also magnetized. So you have to give it a little bit of a pull to get it open. Comes with the clippers, which I use a lot. Nail scissors are in there. Uh, you got tweezers and you got a nail file. That's in the luxury nail kit. I think this is twenty bucks before the coupon. So sixteen and free shipping if you use the coupon Ethos twenty to get twenty percent off and free shipping on your Manscaped order. Those guys have been a really good partner for us. So want to give them love where we can. Uh, let's get back into the fantasy stuff here. Let's talk Cleveland-Brooklyn next. Max Struess, story of this ballgame, which is amazing because Cam Thomas could also have been the story of this ballgame. There were a few, frankly. First of all, Max Struess played 39 minutes. Everybody's going to be like, Dan, he ain't scoring 27 points a game. You're right. And you're going to say, Dan, he's not going to hit seven three-pointers a night. You're right. And you're going to say, Dan, he's not going to get 12 rebounds a night. You're right. But I'm not worried about that. What I'm looking at is opportunity. And the opportunity for Max Struess was enormous. First of all, no Jared Allen, but the guy that got into the starting lineup because of that was Isaac Okoro. So if you're looking at his 18 points and thinking, I don't believe it, 
you'd be right on the money. Okoro is probably not going to start when Jared Allen comes back. They'll move Evan Mobley down to power forward. But Struess is going to be in there. And the reason he's going to be in there is because they paid him. That's the story. This was a guy that they went out and they got. They wanted his ability to space the floor in a way that Okoro couldn't do last year. And frankly, Karis LeVert, who did hit three three-pointers, is not a shooter. Karis LeVert is a really good bench option on this team because he can run the bench unit. He can go facilitate. He's more of a slasher. His uh, LeVert's best ability is going towards the rim. Hard to tell yesterday, shooting 24% on 17 shots, but Karis LeVert is actually a guy I would look at on points formats as well because it does seem like he's going to have a little bit of opportunity here. Look, going forward, is Struess going to get more shots than Darius Garland? Probably not. Garland was playing at less than full speed. You could tell by the six turnovers. We knew he was questionable coming into this ballgame anyway. So yeah, Struess, he and Garland probably flip-flop. Max probably gets more like 12 shots, and Garland gets more like 17 in most ballgames, and maybe Levert doesn't quite get that many either. But about opportunity here, it looks like out of the shoot, they want to play Max starters minutes. I'm adding him. Because this is a guy who guns from three-point land, and I don't think it's out of the question that he hits between two-and-a-half and three-and-a-half and three threes a game this year. And he's a slightly better rebounder than people give him credit for. It ain't going to be 12, and he's not going to lead the team in rebounds when Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are both out there. But more than three, four, five, something like that is very reasonable. And just being out there for 30-some-odd minutes is enough for him to fall into two assists a night and fall into, you know, 0.6 to 1 steal per ball game, and all of that stuff rolled together would make him a 9-cat serviceable player. So Max Struess, pick him up. On the Brooklyn side, Cam Thomas is one that I'm going back and forth on a little bit. Obviously, you put him in the speculative ad department, but there's almost no way that he takes 21 shots in 25 minutes every ball game if they're not all going in. You know, this is a game where Brooklyn needed an offensive kick. Cam was hot, but we also know Cam ain't a 62% field goal guy for his career. He's going to have a game where he comes out and he takes seven shots in four minutes and misses all of them, and he might not see the floor again after that. So points leagues, absolutely add him because he's going to go out there and he's going to gun like he's not waking up in the morning. Category leagues... Like, if you're in Roto Games Cap, I would pick him up, I think, but I wouldn't play him in the next one. Maybe you do, and you just hope that the hot streak continues. But it's dicey, man. We know enough about Cam Thomas to know that you get good Cam, you get this, you get bad Cam, it can go south in a hurry. It's also worth noting, Ben Simmons still kind of getting ramped up, played just 23 minutes. Cam Johnson, they were very vocal about him being ramped up from his injury, 26 minutes. Those two guys are going to play more, meaning less for Dorian Finney-Smith, less for Royce O'Neal, and sometimes less for Cam Thomas as well. By the way, if someone in your league didn't hear that Cam Johnson was on a minutes cap, see if you can go buy low on him. Not that you could, I don't think, after one ball game, but maybe somebody got worried about seeing 26 minutes and didn't see the news. Someone in your league might also be upset that Mikael Bridges only had 20 points, but they shouldn't be because he did it on Phoenix-style efficiency. 6 of 12 shooting, 8 of 9 foul shots, 3 steals. These are the things that we were worried about. The scoring will be fine. 
And Ben Simmons, you're hanging on to. I mean, this I thought was a really promising first game for him. Ten boards, nine assists, and a block? He'll take that. New Orleans-Memphis, I didn't have too many questions on the Pelicans' side. Uh, Herb Jones was better than expected here. Got more shots, actually, or just more attempts. Five free throws, eight shots in 38 minutes. He led the team in minutes. Uh, typically more of a steal specialist. I don't think that I'm going to move off that position after one slightly more reboundy and offensive-minded ball game. Um, Zion, what you expected there, no surprises. Ingram, no surprises there. McCollum shot the ball better, but no real surprises there. JV getting 29 minutes was a little surprising. Uh, I thought we'd see more Zion or Larry Nance at the five, and uh, we didn't. So if Alan Junis can actually somehow hold the high 20s in minutes, then he ends up as a decent draft day value. I am skeptical, though, because he didn't last year, and New Orleans is healthier now than they were then. I was wondering whether Luke Kennard would get playing time, and then he got hurt in yesterday's game. I think I remember getting a hit in the head. Anyway, he played 15 minutes before that. We'll see what happens if or when he comes back. On the Memphis side, Xavier Tillman played 34 minutes at center. He kind of had to because uh, Valanchunas and Zion are gigantic, so they really had no choice but to go big there. Um, anytime Memphis plays a large front court, Tillman's going to be a start. I don't know if he's going to be a start when they play more stretch 5 e type of teams, but he very much belongs on fantasy rosters right now. Tillman was getting added uh, right before the season started when the Steven Adams news broke, and there's no reason to move off of that position right now. Uh, and terrific first game for Desmond Bain, who you guys know I liked a lot as the late second rounder, cashed in there. Uh, JJJ had foul issues, didn't really get involved on offense, but, you know, you're not going to turn away five blocks, so it's one of those, like, could have been worse kind of moments. Marcus Smart stunk at the free throw line, stunk with turnovers. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it. He was a 100-range draft pick for a reason, and that's where he belongs. This is going to be a long show, isn't it? Well, let's keep going. Oklahoma City blew out Chicago Bulls at a players-only meeting after losing their season opener. Rut row. Um, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, still very good at basketball. So I think the only real note on OKC. Chet played 25 minutes. He was meh. It's going to take these rookies time, man. I think Chet's going to have a really good year, but we have to be okay with the fact that it might not happen on day one. Not many players on the Bulls looked good in yesterday's game. Zach Levine went 4 for 16 from the field. DeMar, 9 for 20, missed free throws. Vooch was decent. Only got 8 shots, but at least he was good with them. 11, 9, and 4, 3 steals and 2 blocks. Vooch was the, I survived, a blowout loss award winner on that Chicago Bulls side. Hopefully they look better in the next one. Let's not try to read too much into this ball game. We'll reassess the Bulls after their next ball game, which I believe is tomorrow. Kings blew out the likely tanking Jazz 130-114 to 114, behind 33 from Harrison Barnes, who said, not so fast. You all are not taking my shots yet. We've seen this before from Barnes. He tends to get off to quick starts and then kind of hits cruise control by about December. This would be a sell moment, ladies and gentlemen, because dude ain't taking 16 shots a night and he ain't making 70% of them. Good first game for Keegan Murray. Don't care about the bad shooting. I liked the eight rebounds more than I disliked the bad shooting. Sabonis looked like himself. Fox didn't have to do as much in this one. Malik Monk 
had uh, 10.7 assists off the bench, which is bordering on enough uh, to be a nine-cat play. I think he probably makes a little more sense on the points league side, but uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Kevin Herter was the guy who lost out in this one. Um, some of that was just rotations, sort of pivoting in a different way, and some of it is because his minutes are not fully secured this year and uh, why I don't have Herter on any fantasy teams. Um, much like last year, though, Kings are not a team that we really need to dig too far in on. Jazz are worth digging in on. John Collins, 31 minutes in the season opener, 15-11 and 11 with a steal on good percentages. Hell yeah. That's a win on day one. Larry Markinen probably won't be as good as last year, but you'll take it. Jordan Clarkson was efficient, which is not going to be the case every night. Lack of defensive stats, typical lack of efficiency. It's going to eventually bite him. You've been warned. THT, not a fantasy play. Walker Kessler is a fantasy play. This is a buy opportunity if somebody freaks out after 22 minutes because it ain't always going to be like this. And the beauty of Walker Kessler is even in 22 minutes, he's still probably a top 80 guy, maybe better. So don't worry about it. He'll be fine. Don't panic on Kessler. If anything, probably go try to get him. Dallas over San Antonio, 126-119. This was kind of a fun one. Uh, we saw Tim Hardaway take 14 shots, which was fine. He's a points league option, but nothing else. The more interesting stuff on the Dallas side was, I thought, Grant Williams playing 35 minutes. He could actually be a fantasy play in 35 minutes. I don't think you have to pick him up because I doubt people are racing to go add uh, corner three-point specialist Grant Williams. But if this is his job to just be open on a team that has better passers than his last stop, sorry, Boston Celtics, but your two superstars are not that great at passing, Dallas has two superstars that are better at passing in Doncic and Kyrie Irving. That means Grant Williams is going to get more looks from that corner. And he hit a bunch of them. Being a guy who can hit three three-pointers a night without hurting your field goal percent does have fantasy value. He'll get a couple of rebounds. He'll fall into a few defensive stats. Not many, but I mean, if he does anything along these lines, I don't expect 17 points. But, you know, even a dozen points to 14 points, five rebounds, two plus three pointers on good percentages with half a, uh, let's call it half a steal and .6 blocks, that's enough. You don't have to add him right away. The guy on this team you probably need to go add is Derek Lively, who was getting drafted in the last round as kind of like the flyer type in a lot of competitive leagues. He looked great here on opening night, played 31 minutes. The rest of the centers on the Mavs didn't even sniff the floor, really. Maxi Kleba started, but he got yanked quick, ended up playing 23. By all accounts, they'll probably start Lively in the next one. No sign of Dwight Powell, by the way, so they didn't go to a third center. No sign of Rashawn Holmes. Um, Lively needs to be added. He's on the priority list with the other guys I was mentioning. Victor Wembanyama, foul trouble on opening night. I don't think that's going to be an isolated incident for him this year. Five turnovers. You like the three-pointers. You like the steals. You like the block. You like the six out of nine shooting, which I don't think is something that sticks with him. But just be ready for the fact that there are going to be turnovers. There are going to be fouls. There are going to be bad field goal percent nights. And then there are going to be nights where he goes absolutely buck-freaking-wild. And you are going to eat cake until you fall asleep with a tummy ache. This just wasn't one of those nights. 
You're not going to be able to buy low on Wembenyama. Whoever drafted him is going to want him for the whole thing. So just let it be. Zach Collins was the thing that I was most thrilled with in this ballgame because he played 32 center minutes, 14-5-3 with a steal, two blocks on good percentages. That is exactly what you wanted out of Collins if you took him at about pick 100. Um, let it ride, baby. Good first game for Devin Vassell. Excellent. Trey Jones was fine. I didn't like the 25 minutes. That's a number that I think needs to come up, or I do think his fantasy value won't be quite uh, where it needs to be in 12-teamers. Uh, Keldon Johnson, seven assists was very surprising. I don't think you see that repeat itself. Turnovers, field goal percent, free throw percent, that's always going to be the thing that holds him down. If you can escape with your shirt like you did in this one, good. And then Jeremy Sohan is a guy that, and look, I like my intention here is not to call out names, but I am seeing a lot of fantasy analysts calling this game a massive success for Sohan. I can't get there with him. 13 points. Sub-average. Eight rebounds, good. Five assists, pretty good. One steal, no blocks, fine. Bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent, high turnovers. He's not going to be a guy who does enough in the other six categories to make up for the fact that he is going to be a negative in both percentages and turnovers. So I'm going to call Sohan a points league option. If you have him in eight cat, hold on to him. If you have him in nine cat, you can give it a little bit longer. But I don't expect the percentages to magically fix themselves year over year. And so that's why I'm much lower on him than a lot of other folks out there. And the last game of the night, it ended as a 12-point game. Clippers beat the Blazers 123-111, but they were up by 30 at one point. The nice thing was the Blazers cut it to a 20-some-odd, right around 20, 19, 20-point deficit late. And so the Clippers had to put their starters back in for three or four more minutes. So we got just a little more juice out of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, and Russell Westbrook, and Ivica Zubats. Um, let's talk about Clippers first, because we saw this with Zubats last year, where he started the season blocking a ton of shots, and then it completely evaporated as the season went on. Sell high. That's not to say that he won't be, you know, 100-ish range, or wherever the hell he finished last year. 110 on 11 points, 10 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks. That's very repeatable for him, but he did it in 29 minutes, and he's not going to just change what his fantasy profile is overnight. So, except that this was a very good game for Zubats. He's a 100 to 125 range fantasy guy throughout his career. That's not going anywhere on a team that has a good backup center in Mason Plumley. Sell high if you think you can get something. Russell Westbrook was efficient in this one. 13 assists you're definitely going to take. I just can't do it. He might make me pay. Russ might have this crazy bounce back season where his assists are great and somehow his percentages don't break you. But I don't see anything to make me believe that that's going to happen. His field goal percent was a bit better with the Clippers than it was with the Lakers when he didn't have to do as much. But the free throw number is still going to be terrible. Turnovers are going to be very high. Uh, he's not scoring that much. He doesn't hit three pointers. He's just not old Russ anymore and so if you're playing nine cat like thank your lucky stars after this ball game if you're playing eight cat he might be able to squeeze into some value and if you're in points leagues then have at it but you know me I'm a nine cat guy and I just can't bring myself to do it Kawhi looked pretty good made all five of his three pointers Paul George looked pretty good no surprise I mean when those guys are upright they're good 
What's the surprise? Rob Covington started this game, played 23 minutes, had four defensive stats. That's about the best you can expect out of him. Uh, deep league opportunity, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Let's talk about the Blazers, though. I think that's what you guys are all waiting for on uh, on this one. Anthony Simons, 18 points in 27 minutes. Malcolm Brogdon, 20 points in 23 minutes, which is kind of similar to his role with the Celtics last year. Which, by the way, if you're thinking, hey, what if Brogdon redoes what he did last year? Well, he was number 108 last year. 26 minutes off the bench with Boston, typically. 15 points on 11 shots. So that's your barometer for him. If he gets more shots than that, then he's a 12-team start. So don't completely write him off just because he's on a tanking team. They may need him to steer the ship a little bit. I don't think you need to add him. Um because I don't think he gets 16 shots nightly, but he should very much be near the top of your watch list. I think you can drop Matisse Thybul. I don't think he does enough in anything besides steals to warrant fantasy rostership. I think you should be buying low with all of your might on DeAndre Ayton, in case whoever has him in your league didn't notice that he picked up four fouls in the first 11 minutes of yesterday's game. Uh, managed to squeeze out another dozen minutes the rest of the way, which, by the way, call that a win. Um, only got two, sh uh, two buckets, I should say, got four shots up. The steals were super weird. That's not something that's going to stick, but he still got 12 rebounds in 23 minutes. DeAndre Ayton has a shot to be a league leader in rebounding this year. Honestly, my, I might go Jalen Duran if there's a prop bet on that right now. Uh, but DeAndre Ayton is going to be up there in rebounds this season. So expect a bigger game next time around. Robert Williams took advantage of the fact that Aiton was in foul trouble, so this is going to be one of the better games, I think, for the Time Lord. Um, he's rosterable. I mean, you know, Robert Williams will probably be, you know, 110 range or better, but he's probably not going to play 23 minutes most games. And then the two younger players that I'm sure you guys are waiting for me to talk about, Shaden Sharp looked good in his 29 minutes. Uh, he belongs on rosters. Scoot Henderson belongs on rosters, but it's going to be a bumpy ride because he's a rookie. Uh, Jeremy Grant, he'll be better than this most ballgames. Um, don't panic there. I think he'll actually have a pretty good first three to four months of this season before doing the typical Jeremy Grant petering out routine. But keep an eye on Brogdon is probably the, uh, the biggest story from that game. And um, yeah, I mean, hopefully they're more competitive in the next one. We're going to mash both the um, the recap and the look ahead into one show on this one. And again, we're going to be doing that most days. Most days we'll do the, the recap and the look ahead at the same time. Uh, I'll remind everybody, ton of questions in the chat room right now. If it's always like this, I probably won't get quite to all of them. But uh, most days it won't be this busy, so make sure to get your questions in there day to day. Again, find me on Twitter at Dan Vespers. Let's do the look ahead. Philly. Milwaukee, season openers. No James Harden. So let's see what DeAnthony Melton does. Let's see what Paul Reed does, which doesn't really have much to do with James Harden, but something we all want to know. Let's see what Tobias Harris looks like with no Harden in there. Let's see how much Embiid and Maxi are responsible for. Uh, let's just get a data point with no James Harden. For Milwaukee, uh, we know Chris Middleton is in ramp-up mode. They've been very clear that he's not at full tilt yet. Um... I avoided him like the plague in drafts because I don't know that I believe he's ever going to be at fully full tilt anymore. 
I'm just excited to see what Giannis and Dame look like together. I do want to know what Brooke Lopez does this year. I'm expecting a slight step backwards from his insane-o season last time around, but I can't imagine it's going to be that far back because if they're really intent on playing Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley big minutes, then guys are going to be getting to the rim on the other team. Tyrese Maxey's going to roast that defensive perimeter, and they're going to need Brooke Lopez and Giannis back there to block shots. So I don't know how you take him out because Bobby Portis ain't blocking anybody's shot. We'll see. Phoenix, uh, sounds like Bradley Beal is 50-50 to go tonight. They're hoping, the last report was that they are hoping to have him back. And if they do, then we get to see a little bit more of what Phoenix will look like when they've got their three stars together. So that's really the thing to watch in that one. Lakers side, still no Jared Vanderbilt. So I think you can expect pretty similar to what they did on opening night. But uh, I'm watching to see if Christian Wood gets more than whatever it was, 14-15 minutes. I'm watching to see if D'Angelo Russell continues to have pretty much full grasp on the uh, point guard spot, and I'm watching to see if LeBron James gets to 30 minutes because that was something that scared everybody on opening night, but something that we had you guys ready for. How many times during the season run-up did I yell at you, do not draft LeBron James this year? The Lakers do not want to play him big minutes. They don't want him doing what he's had to do in the past. Because they want him healthy for the playoffs, and the way to do that is to keep him fresh. All right, let's get to the chat room. Let's see how many questions we can jam in here. We'll go lightning round. I'm going to do 11 minutes, so at the one-hour mark on today's show, we'll pull the plug on it. So if I don't give you a super long reply, sorry. Lewis says, Sohan or Trey Jones, rest of season. I have worries about Sohan and his inefficiencies to my percentages. Yep, I'd go Trey Jones. Marco says, I have Wendell Carter Jr., but I'm thinking of swapping him out for Zach Collins or Isaiah Stewart, which would be the better pickup. I like Zach Collins in that one. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. is just not a guy who does anything defensively. I, I don't know why everybody kept picking him up last year, um, or this season, I should say. He, uh, I mean, he's fine, but there's no real upside for a center that doesn't get defensive stats. He had 15 and 9 last year, and he was outside the top 100. I'd rather take a swing on somebody that might go a little higher. Wendell's the safer play, I guess. Delante says, Did a B ball Paul take over tonight? I don't know. I hope so. Says he met him in a bar in Philly last year and was a really cool dude. Nice. Well, we're all rooting for Paul Reed, that's for damn sure. Rock says, Hi, Dan. Was wondering if you could provide some insight on how to use Fab budget. I'm in a 12 team, 9 cat roto league. How much Fab should I use to pick up a player like Derek Lively or Jalen Johnson? Well, if it's, a, if it's a public Yahoo league, then you have 100 fab bucks to use over the entire season, which does make things kind of tough. Um, I used about 11 to get him last night, and that got him in basically every spot that I did. Uh, Derek Lively, I think I might go between 4 and 9, because I do think that there's a chance he runs out of gas midseason. But Jalen Johnson is one that you probably want to spend a little bit on. But I don't think you have to go that huge in a Yahoo League because most of those folks are not going to go that big. So going even medium will probably get it done. Thoughts on Walker Kessler? Don't panic. That was Cy said that. Joe says, I was just offered Halliburton for Kessler and Mark Williams in a points league standard Yahoo. Do I do it? Yes. You take a first rounder for almost any combination of non-first rounders. Absolutely. Lester says, should I hold Bilal or should I drop him for DeLon Wright or Josh Richardson? Drop him for DeLon Wright unless you're um, 
unless you think your team is going to be a top two seed because uh, down the stretch and into the fantasy playoffs is when you might get a little bit more out of uh, Bilal when the Wizards start to shut people down. Is Max Struess an all-star this season? No, says, uh, or this is Walter, obviously being a little bit facetious here, but I do think he's going to have a fantasy-relevant season, so pick him up. Is KCP a hold, or should I stream his spot? Uh, depends on your league settings. Standard 12-teamers, he's a hold. That was JC asked that question. YMC says, would you drop Bilal or Kobe White for DeLon Wright? I would drop Bilal. JP says, hi, Dan, Jalen Johnson or Azar Thompson? I'm undecided in holding Thompson because of his blocks and defensive stats. What do you think? I think I'd probably go Jalen Johnson there uh, because his negatives won't hurt you the first two to three months of the season. Uh, but I do like both of these guys, especially from January on. So tough, tough call there. Next question, if Paul Reed has a bad game, would you drop it and pick up Derek Lively? Um... Bad game is probably not the nomenclature I would use. If Paul Reed doesn't get any playing time, that's where I might be a bit worried and make a swap. Mitch Rob or Beef Stew? Uh, I'll go Robinson there. Better fantasy profile. Anibal. Oh, the last one was Ka asked that. Anibal says, I got Andrew Wiggins and Benedict Matherin on my team. Should I drop one of them for Jalen Johnson or Max Struess? Um... I might be inclined to drop Matherin for Jalen Johnson, but if both of them are still sitting on the wire this morning, you might be able to get away with waiting another day. You're not dropping Andrew Wiggins, though. YMC says, I dropped Paul Reed for Max Struess. Do you co-sign? Uh, no, we haven't seen Paul Reed play a game yet. I think you have to let your guys play one game before you drop them. That's the rule. That's the fantasy rule. At least I abide by it. Jordan says, what's Jalen Johnson's floor? Uh, is he worth holding in a points league? His floor is very low because he's coming off the bench and they could just, de they could just decide not to play him. Uh, but the ceiling is why you're picking up Jalen Johnson because he went nuts yesterday and they seem to love him. He closed the game. Um, you saw the ceiling last night. That's a guy that belongs on basically all formats. Ernest says, hi, Dan, two questions. Would you trade Vooch for Chet? Mm, I think I'd rather have Vooch. And two, Scoot is currently my weakest player. Is there value to keep him there or try to trade for a two-for-one to free up a streaming slot? Definitely try to do a two-for-one. Always try to do two-for-ones. Doesn't have to be Scoot, though. You're not going to trade him now. You'll, If you drafted Scoot, you got to wait through where he starts to figure out the NBA, and that'll be later on his rookie season. If you didn't draft Scoot, you probably want to try to buy on him in about a month and a half, two months, something like that. So, But always try to do a two-for-one trade. That's that's a gimme. Kobe White or Shaden Sharp? Uh, I'll go Sharp on that one. That's Mikey's questions. JC says, KCP or Jalen Johnson? Uh, ooh, two very different calls. KCP is your you know 95 range plodding along type. Jalen Johnson is the, ooh, could we catch lightning in a bottle and get a top 60, 75 kind of guy, but also could it all fall apart? Um, I think I go Jalen Johnson there and just try to shoot upside. YMC says, shout out to you, Dan. I see fantasy, I see fantasy analyst rivals jacking your tweet style. Yeah, I, I do. I admit that does hurt my feelings a little bit because there's so many things that folks could be doing out there. Like I don't cover dynasty at all. I don't cover points leagues almost at all. I don't cover deep leagues almost at all. There's so many things folks could be doing that are still available to be done. You don't have to do what I'm doing. 
Wayne says, hey, Dan, who would, who would be droppable for the next hot pickup out of Schroeder, Kobe White, Jalen Johnson, or Derek Lively? Probably Kobe White is the droppable one there. Max says, is it crazy to drop Wendell or P.J. Washington for Johnson or Lively? It is not crazy because Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be a top 100 play. P.J. Washington is going to be a top 115 play. And you're hunting massive upside. Um, if you need those safe guys that are trucking along, though, you may end up regretting it. Still, I'm okay with it. Dinesh says, what if DeJounte shot better? Um, yeah, I mean, like, shots are going to move around from game to game. I wouldn't worry about the one-game sample size of what if he shoots better? Does that take away from Jalen Johnson? What about Sadiq Bey having a bigger game? Yeah, Jalen Johnson's not going to average 20 to 21 damn points a night. We know that. He had a higher scoring game than usual yesterday because some of his teammates stunk. But it's about the balancing point. He gets defensive stats. He gets rebounds. He's not going to crush your percentages, we hope. And if these types of games pop up, that's the upside. Brooks says, should I drop uh, Amen Thompson for Jalen Johnson? That Houston team is logjammed. Yeah, I probably would. Johnniel says, would you drop Jaden McDaniels for Jalen Johnson? Um, no. I think Jaden McDaniels takes a small step forward this year inside the top 90. Um, and I don't think I would drop that type of guy. I'm hoping you have somebody else you could move. PNM says, are you worried about the lack of Derek White usage? No, he never needed usage. He's going to get his stuff on steals and blocks and rebounds and assists, and he'll hit some open shots, and he'll probably go top 75 because of it. Blazers says, hi, Dan. I was going to skip that one, but I like it. Uh, Zoe says, which point guard would you guys rather have in Roto, Sohan or Trey Jones? Trey. Rock says, would you drop KCP for DeLon Wright in 9-cat Roto? Actually, yes, I would, believe it or not, because I like DeLon Wright's boards, assists, steals combo better than KCP's threes and steals combo. But that's just me. You guys know I don't care that much about points. Jose says, should I drop Sohan or Josh Hart for Derek Lively? I think you can probably drop Josh Hart, unfortunately. Lewis says, should I drop Jalen Johnson for Emmanuel quickly in a points league? Uh, points league, yeah, I think I might go quickly there. Category leagues, I'd probably lean back towards Johnson. Uh, but you saw quickly, he's going to get out there and he's going to shoot. Uh, let's see here. There's some chatter in the chat room. I love that. You guys helping each other. That makes me so proud. Would you drop Jabari Smith Jr. for Xavier Tillman? No. That was Miguel. Chris says, Duran did block shots in college, so I could see him with one a game. Yeah, I think he'll have more than one a game, um, but, you know, not four. <laughs> I think the rebounds are the thing that we can really rely on there. Razor says, someone in my 10-team drafted Jaden Ivey and is still sitting on him. Well, consider yourself lucky, because that's a roster spot that they should be using on something else. There's that Sports Ethos news feed. Make sure to go follow that while we're talking about it on the show I expect to see a few more follows on that by the time I sign off today. Will DeLon Wright keep high 20 minutes moving forward? We don't even need high 20 minutes. We'll, we'll take mid-20s, and I think the answer is yes because nobody else on that team can play defense. Tony says, Kaminga or Jalen Johnson? Jalen. Quickfast says, should I trade Harden before Philly or ride it out? Ride it out. You ain't going to get proper value for him right now. BS says, Sexton, Herter, or Ivy? I need points. And threes at the end of my bench? Ugh. It's probably a herder. Aron says, what's the thought on Time Lord? Should I drop him for Derek Lively? I'm interested in another assist guy. Kobe White's on the wire. Jaden McDaniels is another possible 10-teamer. Um, 
I'm not sure any of these guys is going to be a 10-team value. But, yeah, I think maybe you go Derek Lively and just end up probably moving that spot around a lot over the course of the year. Is Isaac Okoro a pickup? No. Kelly Oubre's outlook in Philly. Eh, I don't think he's going to do enough to be fantasy relevant, especially not if Harden gets traded for other dudes who can play. Should I pick up Isaiah Stewart for Josh Hart? Yes. Jalen Johnson, rest of season thoughts. Uh, top 100 or better. Jalen Johnson or Herb Jones? I'll go Jalen. Ice Cream Cone. I like that. K-O-H-N. This might have been asked. Oh, we hit the one-hour mark, so I'm really running out here. Is it worth dropping Paul Reed, Emmanuel Quickly, or Ben Simmons for Jalen Johnson? Um, oh, gosh. <sighs> Probably quickly. Let's see what Paul Reed does tonight, because maybe it becomes more obvious. Can you hang on a few more hours, I hope? Kobe White or Shaden Sharp? Sharp. Did I already answer that? I might have. Uh, let's see here. Any chance DeAnthony Melton ends up not being a Nick Nurse favorite? Yeah, there's a chance, but he's damn good at a lot of stuff, so he usually ends up being favorites. Do you think LeBron will return fourth-round value? I unfortunately landed him at 43. Yeah, fourth seems attainable for him. Pickup between Wendell Carter, Jeremy Sohan, Arnyeka, and Okongwu. I'm going Okongwu between those. Am I worried about Jabari Smith Jr.? I didn't draft him anywhere. Is that your answer? Is Josh Hart a drop? Maybe. Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Poole for Anthony Davis and Zion. Punting assists and threes. Uh, yeah, I mean, given your punt, that seems like a sort of a no-brainer. Um, although you may miss the points when you leave them behind. I probably would, given your build. And I think we unfortunately have to pull the plug on questions there. Sorry, guys, I couldn't get to all of them. But uh, I did 11 minutes of lightning round. Thank you. Amazing, amazing, amazing questions and turnout in today's show. I hope that you guys will continue to join us for these shows every day going forward. I'm trying to do a buy low, sell high show this afternoon. We'll see if that uh, if time allows. So that's what's coming up. If not, uh, we'll have a big Friday show tomorrow. I don't know if you guys remember what we do on Fridays, but we go over the big storylines of the week, which how many of them? We might not do that this week. And then we'll preview every game over the weekend or every team's next ball game over the weekend. Uh, that'll all be coming up tomorrow. Again, trying to get a buy low, sell high show going this afternoon. Ethos20 is the promo code over at manscaped.com. Please do go check them out because their sponsorship really does kind of help keep us going. Get a fantasy pass. Check out those in-season tools. That video actually is on our YouTube page of me talking about how to use them. And find me on Twitter at Dan Bespers. That's a must. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Like, rate, subscribe on your way out. Much love. Talk to you later.